Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today. We pray that this message blesses you and encourages you. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just look us up at newriverchurch.org. So Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 6, and then Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and we're just going to read this to get us started. Next Sunday is our Covenant Sunday, and it's the one Sunday of the year that as a church we sign a fellowship covenant uh, to agree together that we're going to love Jesus and we're going to serve Jesus together in this coming year. And it's a really a big moment for our church, and so I hope that uh, you can be able to be here. If And I also want to encourage you to refresh your memory on what our covenant says. And you can find that on the website, actually. If you go on the website, you'll see on the front page again, there's a little tab that talks about Covenant Sunday next week. And there's a little little, uh, hot link there you can click, and that'll take you right to our covenant chance for you to refresh your memory on what it is that we're signing to next Sunday morning. But in preparation for that, I want to talk today about who we are. Who are we? New River Church. So Ephesians chapter 1, we start here, verses 3 through 6. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us, for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And now we go over to chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, You see that word, but? That word, but's a big one, isn't it? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, nor by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Whose handiwork are we? God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's God's word. So in this book that we call Ephesians, it's really a letter. The Apostle Paul wrote it 
to this group of Christians living in the city of Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. So can you imagine New River Church? We get a letter from the Apostle Paul. Like, how cool would that be? You get a letter from the Apostle Paul. And so that's this church. These Ephesian Christians, they, they get this letter from the Apostle Paul, and, and they read it. And what does Paul do? He begins by telling them who they are. And Paul paints this amazing picture of what God is doing in their lives and by proxy in our lives as well. Look at what he does real quick. Verse 3, you've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've got everything you need. You're missing nothing. Look at, look at verse 4. He chose us before the creation of the world. So before God even made the world, before he made the universe, God actually wanted you. He looked down through time and he said, I, I want you. He chose us before he created the world. In other words, he made the world to be part of his plan for what he was doing in your life and mine. Not the other way around. It's not like he made the planet and then he goes, oh, i got to fill this thing. Oh, let's make people. No, it's the other way around. He actually chose you and he created to be a palette, if you will, for his plan of redemption to be at work in you and me. So he chose us. He, he picked us. We didn't pick him. He wanted us. He created you because he wanted you. Not only that, but verse 5, look at that. It says he predestined you. That means, you know, that's a big word, and we could spend a lot of time talking about it, but let me just really simplify it, and that's this. God sets you up. It's a divine setup. God has put things into place. He's been wooing you, drawing you, been working in his world and throughout history in order to draw his people to himself. He predestined you, see? It's, you've got this home button, if you will, inside your soul. And the Bible says that, that inside the heart of every man, God's placed eternity. There's something inside of all of us that just questions. You know, you don't have to even be a, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be you know, a Westerner. You don't have to be any of that. You just Every person has this, we know there's something more. And, you know, a lot of times we don't think about it until somebody dies. That's usually, at funerals, is usually when we start thinking about hoping for something else, don't we? That's, that's built in you. That's hardwired in you. God predestined you for himself. He set you up. He's done all this to draw you to himself. Verse 5, why? So that we could have adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what that tells us? That God wanted us to be a part of his family. And then chapter 2, he goes on and continues by basically, in a big picture way, talking about our story. He tells us what's gone on in your life and mine to make all of this happen. Look, he says, we started off, we all started off dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's what verse 1 says. You were dead. And when he says dead, he means you're spiritually dead because you're cut off from the source of life. You say, I don't know, I, I look alive. Yes, but you can look alive physically and be spiritually dead because you're separated from God. It's just like your Christmas tree. 
Maybe this last month you had a, or, yeah, last month, it's January now, right? Yeah, last month you had a Christmas tree. Maybe you went and you, you went out to the farm and you cut it down, right? Now, the moment you cut that tree down, it was dead because it was separated from its root system. But it looked green, didn't it? At least I hope yours looked green all the way through Christmas. You decorated, it looks pretty. It looks like it's alive, but it's essentially dead. And this is what he's saying when he says that you and I were dead in our transgressions and sins. This is where we were. We're all born this way. We're all born separated from God. But yet, look at this. Notice the but. We paid attention to it when we read it. But what? In his love. Wait a second. So I'm dead. I'm broken. But I'm loved. Isn't that amazing? We're broken, but loved. And in his great love for us, what does God do? He made us alive in Christ Jesus. He made us alive. Wow. He reconnected us with himself. We got reattached to the root system, if you will. And now we draw from his life. See, he's made us alive in Christ Jesus. You say, why would God do such a thing? Well, verse 7 says, in order to show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us. That's something. Why would God pour out his love on you and me? Why would we be broken but loved? Why would God have mercy on you and me in order to show his kindness to the rest of the world throughout the coming ages? See, your life and my life, we're meant to be a testimony so that when other people look at us, they see the kindness of God. It essentially, essentially, the message of your life and my life, the message of our life, New River Church, is this. If God can save a wretch like us, then God can save a wretch like you. If God can be kind to me, then God can be kind to you. If God can change me, then God can change you. See, that's the idea, that, that they see his kindness in us, expressed in us. And then that gives the world hope, because they recognize, oh, this God's for real. He can do this. Yes, he can. Why do we forgive others? Well, because he's forgiven us. It's his kindness. See, why, are, why do we love others? Well, because he's loved us. Again, his kindness. See, why, why, do we, why are we generous? Well, because he's generous with us. Again, it's his kindness. See, everything we do is literally expressing his kindness to the world. And friends, God has been good to New River Church. So you know, this year... 2022, there we are, 2022, this year is our 25th anniversary as a church. Yeah, we're 25 years old. And, uh, 
And so we have, actually have a team of people. We're going to be doing some special events this coming year to celebrate our 25th anniversary and going to be bringing back some legacy members, hopefully, and hopefully seeing some old faces and, and some new ones come together. It's going to be a fun year, I think. It's just celebration and reveling in God's kindness and his goodness to us in 25 years. But this morning, I just wanted to real quick, because we're preparing for next Sunday, for the Covenant Sunday, just want to real quick, can we just look at God's kindness to us in the last 25 years, New River Church. So here's real quick our story. Karis and I, we arrived here January 26th, 1996. And we came to work with a small group of people who were restarting. They wanted to restart a church. Their church was called Alliance Christian Fellowship. When we came on board, we came together. We called our new little church Hope Community Church. Here's a picture of two of the families who helped us to move in on the um, night on January 26, 1996. Yeah. So Paul, 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 and Lynn. Paul looks the same, doesn't he? It's amazing. This is uh, before Becca was born. So this is Hannah as a baby, and then Lynn. You're just as beautiful as ever, and Lori, you're just beautiful. And this is before Jesse was born. But we all want to know what happened to Harless's hair. That's the question there. And I think, and I think that's even a beard. I see a shadow underneath there. Is that a beard, Harless? Man, look at you. <laughs> oh, buddy, what the time has just, time has, time has been cruel. It's been cruel. Okay, so, yeah, so we just want to honor, you know, I mean, it's a Harle, uh, the Floreses and the Pepperses, pe Pepperses, the Peppers, uh, they have been with us since the very beginning and through thick and thin, and uh, we want to honor you families today. Uh, we're grateful for your ministry and your blessing to this church. <laughs> Yeah. So shortly thereafter, Karis and I met this couple called Tom and Lisa Walsh, and they had come here from a church in Long Island to start another church, and they called their church New River Christian Fellowship. And Karis and I and Tom and Lisa quickly became friends, and we were supporting one another in those early months. And as God led Hope Community Church merged together with New River Christian Fellowship on October 1997, and we became New River Community Church. And here's a picture of our service where we merged the two churches together. The guy with the gray hair there on your right is uh, Reverend Bush, who was our assistant district superintendent at that point, and you might notice the bass player. Um, She's pretty cute, so I think that's her. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, you don't know. Boy, my wife is so talented. She really is. Yeah, I know some of you are like... Some of you didn't even know she played the bass, do you? Actually, the guitar is her first instrument. She learned that as a little girl, and then she played the bass, and she taught herself the piano in order to lead worship because, you know, church plant. We didn't have a piano player, so Karis learned how to play the piano. So there you go. That's, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So, and uh, so then we began, that's we merged, we began public celebrations at the colony 
um, the old Motel 6. It's in Vernon there. Uh, I think right now it's, I don't know what it is. But about, uh, we were there for about six months, and about six months later, we outgrew that space, and we rented uh, the South Windsor Community Center, where we met for about eight years or so, and really God blessed us there. And then we moved over to the Philip R. Smith Elementary School, where we met on Sunday mornings for another seven or so years. So about 15, 16 years we spent uh, packing boxes, unpacking boxes, setting up chairs, tearing down chairs every single Sunday, week after week, and uh, hauling stuff around in a really ugly green 15-passenger van that we converted into a cargo van. But we had some great times. It only broke down on us a few times, and that made Sundays interesting. One time was a snowstorm. That was another whole story. So what's amazing is that during that time, when we had no building to call our own, to meet like this on a Sunday morning, we had no offices, so to speak, during that time we met house to house, backyard to backyard, we did baptisms in swimming pools and ponds. During that time, we didn't have a building to call our own, we started three other churches in the area, one in Newington, one in Enfield one in Rockville. During that time, we gave money as a church to other church plants around New England in our district. During that time, we funded, helped to fund several other churches in the area that had building projects. We gave money to them, generous, because God's been generous to us. So we're funding other buildings. Before we ever had a building of our own, it was during that time that God led us to a small group of people in Managua, Nicaragua, about 23, 24 years ago now. And we met them. They had a vision for a school, a vision for ministry, and so we partnered with them. And today we are still partners with Iglesia Betel Adonai in Managua. And this church ministry has a thriving ministry in Managua. The school has 450 kids in it. And that's because you, New River Church, have been a part of that. You know, we even had a joke years ago because we sent a team, one of the teams we sent down, we've sent uh, numerous teams over the years, one of the teams we sent down um, helped to build a basketball court, uh, it was an outdoor basketball court, and the church painted our logo in the, in the center court, and so our joke was we, we had a gymnasium, you just had to go to Nicaragua to use it, but we had one, you know, back then, so it was during that time as a church that we sent Jay and Crystal Van Achterberg from our church to the nation of Congo in West Africa to be basically general contractors to help build the first Christian hospital in that nation. And today, that hospital, Pioneer Christian Hospital, serves six, 7,000 people a year in one of the remotest regions of the world. Each summer, we held summer kids clubs in backyards all throughout this region and that reached families and neighborhoods throughout Hartford County with the good news of Jesus Christ. Over the years, we've had six different ministry interns, young people who came and served here and learned how to serve Jesus here, learned ministry here, and they've gone on to serve the Lord. Two of our ministry interns are missionaries overseas. Becky Harmon and her husband are serving in Indonesia, and you probably remember Nate Davis. He was here just a couple of years ago. Nate's a missionary in Bolivia right now. So 
I wish I had the exact numbers, but we have seen hundreds of salvations and baptisms over the 25 years. We've witnessed countless lives changed and healed and transformed. Has God been kind? Yeah. 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 This region has seen the kindness of God expressed in us and expressed through us. You know, when we bought this building about 10 years ago, nine or 10 years or so ago, we knew that it was small, but the Lord gave us a very clear word. He said that it's small, but it's a launch pad. And launch pads don't need to be big. They just need to be solid. And the Lord has made us solid here. He uses our strength to be a blessing to this region. So now, New River Church, where will God launch us next? We're a launch pad. Where are we going next? Next week, we sign our annual church covenant for 2022, and it has me thinking, this is actually our 24th covenant signing. We, we didn't do a fellowship covenant the first year, but so this will be the 24th covenant signing now. And we have each year for 24 years written down our names, committing that we will love Jesus and serve Jesus together for that coming year. And I think I've even said that phrase every year for 24 years, because it just sums up what it is that we're doing. You know, I can love Jesus and serve Jesus, I guess, by myself, not that effectively, but I could. We've just decided and discovered that we can do this better together. And so that's what we do. We choose together to love Jesus and serve him together as a church body. Before we launch into any new venture, I just feel like it's important for us to know who we are. Just because who we are defines what we do. Wouldn't you agree with that? We have to, who we are. Our identity shapes shapes our work, not the other way around. So we need to know who we are. And, you know, that's a big question that a lot of people are asking these days individually, right? Who am I? Counselors are, are uh, busier than ever trying to help people discover who they are and discover their identity. But I want to ask it on a corporate level, like, who are we, New River Church? Can we ask that question? Who are we? Well, it starts with, it starts with Psalms chapter 147, verses 10 and 11. It starts here, and this even influenced our singing, our worship time this morning. Psalms 147, 10, and 11, it says this, that the Lord's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in who? Those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. You see, you and I are the ones that get impressed by the things that we do. We're impressed. We say, oh God, look at all the great things that we've done. Oh God, look at all the lives that have been changed. Oh God, look at all the great ministries. Look at all the people that we've helped and all the people that we've rescued. Look at that, God. Isn't that great? And God is not impressed. But what does impress God? What does capture God's heart? It's that last song that we sang. God, I or was the second to the last song. You know, Lord, I'm not here because you owe me anything. I'm here just because I want you. Jesus, that's why we're here. We want you. We need you. We cry out to you, Jesus. And if we can't have you, then we don't want anything else, Jesus. Like, that's the heart that gets God's attention. That's the heart that melts God's heart. 
is our heart for him. And that's why 21 days of prayer. That's why we start in January each year, 21 days of prayer. That's why we have 21 days of prayer in June each year, mid-year checkup, sort of. But, but we, we start off, and that's, that's the thrust of prayer. Lord, we need you. God, we're not taking another step without you. We need you, God. See? So that's the heart that God loves, see? So before, before we talked about doing anything for God, who are we? Who are we? Well, four things, real quick. Real quick. Four things. One is this. The first one is, who is God? This has to be our first stop, because who God is defines who we are, because we got our start in God. He does. This has to be where it starts, because the heart of God is where we started. God created us. Look at, looking at ourselves to find our identity is not going to help us, okay? That's what the world tries to do. They try to find their identity by looking inside or looking at their feelings or what. It doesn't help. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like defining an object by its own self, like saying chair is chair. That doesn't help you. Or, you know, my favorite dumb saying from 2020 on all those yard signs, love is love, right? Like it means nothing. It's an empty saying. Because, because in order to define a word, you have to use other words to describe and define the word. You can't define a word by itself. So for me to think that somehow I can figure out who I am that's a fool's game, right? That's like saying, Doug is Doug. Now, how is that helpful? Not helpful at all, is it? But I look at where I came from, and now I begin to discover, right, who I am. I came from God. I'm here because God wanted me here. Isn't that what Ephesians 1 says? God chose us before the creation of the world. God Create, he pre-created us. He predestined us. See, you and I are part of, we're God's plan. This is so important, friends, because when you see the majesty and the glory of the rock from which you've been cut, you'll never underestimate yourself again. When you see the majesty and the glory of the rock from which you've been cut, you'll never underestimate yourself again. God is amazing. And, you know, uh, next week we're, we're starting Revelation, you know, as a church, and, and I'm super excited. There's one message coming up in a few weeks that I just, I really can't wait to bring, honestly. But from the, it's about the throne room in heaven. Revelation paints this picture of God's throne that is absolutely stunning. It's just stunning. It takes my breath away. And when I see that, friends, and I realize that I came from that, like he made me. See, like I said, when I understand the majesty and the glory of the rock from which I've been cut, I'll never underestimate myself again. So this is why we dove into Leviticus last year, because we needed to see the holiness of God and grow in our awe of him. It's never a waste of time to pursue getting to know God because the more I know God, the better I know God, really the better I can figure out who I am. See, so who we are, it starts with who God is because we start with him. You know, Tim Keller says this. I think this is a great quote. Tim a, was a pastor in New York City for a long time, and actually now he's battling cancer. So, Lord, we pray you heal our brother Tim. But he says this. 
If our identity is in our work rather than in Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. Well said, huh? success will go to our heads and Pharaoh will go to our hearts. This is the reason why confusion is so prevalent in our culture. You can't remove God from culture and then expect people to stay sane. You just can't do it. You know, the further removed our culture is from God, the more confused it will become and the more abuses you will see. Successful people, it'll go to their head. It'll become more and more prideful, more and more power-grabbing, And the rest of us who are normal, who have struggled and, you know, had ups and downs, who have failed, we're going to become more and more ashamed and victimized and beat down. You think things are a mess now? Listen, the only thing that's going to help America is revival. Unless we turn back to God, you ain't seen the worst of it. The further removed we are from him, the more confused we will become. So let me just simplify this point real quick. Who we are is connected to who God is because he made us. Okay, that's the first point. Second one is we belong to Jesus. Second point, we belong to him. Acts 20, verse 28, the apostle Paul's on, the, on a seashore. He's about ready to, you know, he spent about three years with uh, the church in Ephesus. We read Ephesians a moment ago. Paul spent about a couple of years there. So he got close. And then the time came when he had to go. So he's down at the, do- at the boat dock literally about to sail away on a ship, and all the church goes to say goodbye to the Apostle Paul. And it's a very tearful, very emotional kind of goodbye. And Paul says these words. He's handing off the reins of leadership to the elders of that church in Ephesus. And he says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought. Would you read that with me? He bought with his own blood. Who bought us, New River Church? Yeah, who owns us? New River Church. Jesus does. <laughs> who owns us, New River Church? Jesus does. There you go. Right, we belong to him. It's not my church. It's not your church. See, the, our children are his. Our youth are his. Our men are his. Our women are his. Our programs are his. Our, our ministry is his. Our, our building is his. The, it's his. It's all his. And and this is huge, New River Church. We belong to Jesus. Our first question is not, let's do something because we think it's a good idea. Our first question has to be, what's Jesus asking us to do? He owns us, and this is what we must do. If he's asked it, if he says it, then we will obey it because he owns us. Third thing is this, we are the family of Jesus. As many of you know, Hebrews 2.11 is one of those Bible verses that has come to define my life personally. But it says this, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Therefore, he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them, you and me, brothers and sisters. Wrap your mind around that. Jesus Christ calls us his brothers and sisters, and he's proud to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, God the Father speaks very plainly. He says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. You catch the family language? We're family. We're the family of God. Who are we, New River Church? God's family. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. We need to own this down deep in our soul. Why do we do what we do? Well, because that's just what our family does. It's a, right? Everything that we do is a reflection of our Father. It's just how our family rolls. 
The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And this is what we bring because the kingdom of God is our kingdom. Because we're the family of God. See? So we bring righteousness and peace and joy. Everything we do and everywhere we go. I hope this is making sense. I think the family thing is huge also because when I read the Bible, the Bible comes alive when you realize that this is talking about your roots. You know Abraham? He's one of your forefathers. Moses, one of your forefathers. You know Esther, Ruth, Mary, your foremothers. You know? You, you read Scripture, this is your roots, your spiritual roots. These are your people. This is your family, the family of God. That makes the Bible come alive. Because this is my history, it's my past, and it's yours as well. See, you and I are part of something here that is pretty amazing. And lastly, we're a royal priesthood. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says this, but you are, but you are a chosen people. What kind of people? Yeah. And you are a royal priesthood. What kind of priesthood? Royal and you are a holy nation. What kind of nation? Holy. You are God's special possession. Who do we belong to? God. Why? That you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once we were not a people, and now we are a people. You think about all of us individually, we've come from so many different places, and we gather together, right, in this family. We were not a people, now we are a people, and God has made us a people, right? And we are chosen. This verse kind of says everything we've been talking about, doesn't it? You're chosen, you're, you're, a, you're a holy nation, we belong to God, but that word royal priesthood, that catches my eye. What does that mean? Simply, we can break it down like this. You're royal, and you're a priesthood. You're royal, meaning, well, go back to point number one. Where did we come from? Who's our father? Look, at if the king of kings is your father, that makes you royal. That makes you a prince or a princess of the kingdom of God. See? So we're royal. And here's what that means practically. That means you have authority. Friends, you have authority. You're not nothing. You have authority. You carry it because you're royal. You're part of this family. Not only that, but you're the priesthood. We learned this from Leviticus last year. Remember we talk about priests? We learned that a priest's job primarily was to be a bridge between God and other people, God and other people. So the priest represented people to God, and the priest represented God to the people. A priest was a, a bridge. So you and I are a royal priesthood. Tomorrow when you go to school, tomorrow when you go to work, wherever you go later today, you are there as a priest. You represent God in that place. That's what you do. That's why what you say matters, what you do matters. That's why that matters, because you're representing God in that place, see? So you are a royal priesthood. So who are we? 
New River Church? Well, we were created by God because he wanted us. We belong to Jesus because he bought us. We're the family of Jesus because he's our big brother. And we are a royal priesthood because we descend from the king and he put us here to represent him in this place. That's who we are. So I got a question for us as we close. And the worship team, you can come if you would. Question to close is that's this. What does success look like? What does success look like for New River Church? You know, given this. Well, our website, we define it as our mission statement. And our mission statement is very carefully worded. It's to overflow with the life of Jesus, transforming our neighborhoods with his love. Do you see where we start? Jesus. Overflow with the life of Jesus. We stay connected to Jesus. And then we overflow with his life. And his life transforms our communities with his love. One of the other little sayings that we have there on our website, I really like it because it summarizes kind of our heart, which says our intention is to enjoy Jesus so much that others get swept up in his hope, healing, and joy with us. We enjoy Jesus so much that others get swept up in his hope, in his help, in his healing, and his joy with us. That's something so this is who we are. This is what success looks like. Listen, the world around us desperately needs the Jesus that you and I carry. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.